Blog Talk Radio. Another episode of Block for joining us for another episode of Block. Okay, sorry about that delay. Want to welcome everyone to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. You got the right station. This is Five Smooth Stone. This is the station. The host, Five Smooth Stones, and I am Brother Seth. And I want to welcome you again to a very informative, exciting, and spiritual, for sure, show tonight. Tonight um, is a rerun. This is Seth. You are listening to me live, but I'm going to be playing a very uh, popular uh, rerun. Like I said, it's very informative, uh, inspiring. I listen to it over and over myself, and uh, according to the numbers, so does others. Some of you others really like the um, show that I did some time back about enlightenment on my travels. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and read the show's description where everybody will know what's coming at you. Again, this is definitely a, a uh, rerun, but it is one of our most proudest uh, work we've done here on Five Smooth Stone. So, earlier um, I put together this rerun, and this is what the show's description says. Enlightenment on my travels around the world. That's right, around the world. So, I went on to type, tonight, enlightenment on my travels, I discussed the most informative people while traveling and the most amazing things I've seen to date that have changed me greatly, spiritually and others. Below are some of the places I've seen, and I went on to name them, Australia, Cairns in Australia, Ethiopia, uh, uh, Addis Ababa, uh, in Egypt, of course, there was Cairo, Suez Canal, uh, Taba, um, that's the border between Egypt and Israel, uh, the Netherlands, Holland, Holland to be exact, in India, we uh, had a chance, I had a chance to see uh, Agra, which is where the Taj Mahal is, as well as New Delhi, and then... Um, also, the Marshall Islands, uh, to be more specific, Majaro and Kwajalein, uh, Israel, and Israel went all over, folks. We're talking about Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Eilat, Eilat, uh, some people say, Demona, Tiberias, et cetera, et cetera. Micronesia, I was able to go to the Micronesia Islands and see a couple. I went to see Chuck, and I forget the other. Now I'm talking fast here. Went to, got a chance to go to Papua New Guinea. Your brother got a chance to go to Port Mosby in Papua New Guinea, Dominican Republic, um, uh, Venezuela, Caracas, Italy, uh, Italy. I got a chance to see Milan and a place called Albino. <laughs> they call it Albino. You can only imagine why I went. If you know anything about Five Smooth Stones, you know why your brother Seth flew to Milan to see the one and only Albino, Italy. But anyway, there's Jamaica, Montego Bay, uh, 
and uh, we went around a few other places there. I can't think to, um, um, where the Dunn River Falls is at. Canada, of course, Toronto and Vancouver, Puerto Rico, San Juan, Great Britain. I, I was able to see um, lots of places in, the, in that little area. Um, um, I can't think of all the little places there. But anyway, France, Paris, Japan, uh, Thailand, Spain, uh, St. Thomas, Guam, China, Canada. It's all coming your way, folks. These are just, uh, I think I've got them all in, but I was able to see 24, uh, so far I've been able to see 24 countries. And tonight, August the 3rd, 2017, is a rerun from that old show where I talk about my enlightenment. There is also, hopefully, if the fathers say the same, we're going to try to do, I'm going to try to play the old rerun of part two. There's a part one and two of enlightenment enlightenment on my travels around the world, uh, part one and two, and then uh, that's why I talk about the international. And then the domestic has its own shows, part one and two as well. So I cover four shows all together, and I do mean four shows, two hours of pop, you, you got to check it out tonight and just hear what the father was able to do with uh, uh, your, your your brother and some of you, your cousin. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and just do a little shout-out to the Douglas Kennedy family. Some of you are going to be listening tonight, and I really appreciate that. I already see some Eric Coast. I, rec- uh, I recognize. uh um, not going to call her names. I don't want to upset anybody, but I definitely see you in the house, uh, family, and friends of Five Smooth Stone. Thank you all very much for chiming time, in. And I'm going to go ahead and buy out and start this clip up, but just remember, uh, this is definitely a uh, rerun. I will not be taking any calls tonight, but there may still be some calls on the show. I really don't remember Um I listened uh, some time back, and I don't remember if there was any calls or not, but there may be some calls on this rerun, but just know, friends and family, Five Smooths on the Tonight uh, will not be taking calls. Now, how this all started was uh, I've always traveled. I've always traveled, but there, uh, in, two, in uh, 1980, oh, what was it, 88, I asked the father five questions. And one of the questions was, can I see the world? Can I see the world? I'm tired of American uh, philosophy, the lies, the white supremacy, the racism, and uh, just them hiding truth, hiding real history, hiding uh, anything great that dark-skinned people have done on the planet. Father, I want to see the uh, other parts of the world. I want to learn other things and get out of this bubble called America, full of white supremacy, where people are trying to control us. And I prayed this prayer, and there was five other questions, four other questions I asked the Most High. And, of course, he definitely is a father and knew my heart and knew that I really was seeking him and really, really, really wanted to know his plan for my life and what was going on in the world. And many of you know about the five small sons. We're not going to get into that because this is, this is not the time for that. But those five questions that I asked, uh, eventually turn into five subjects I talk about all the time. I talk about everything, but I talk about these things the most. And like I say, one of them was, can I see the world? And uh, and, and, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'll go ahead and go real quickly. Uh, the question was, what's really going on in our world? Because I had been hearing a lot of ministers say that God is getting ready to use the black man like never before, and the first is going to be last, and last is going to be first. And that that... that I did understand that. That sounded kind of racist to me that the father would use the black man. I didn't like how that sounded. I prayed about that. And then I also 
as the father uh, what's going on. I mean, I had been hearing things as a young Christian about this, the, uh, some called the New World Order and the Illuminati and that there's some wars planned as much as 30 years in advance, some wars, and just a lot of weird things I was hearing and, and, and that they weren't talking about in the churches. They weren't talking about hardly anywhere, but I would be hearing them in certain circles. And so, the, the, again, I asked the Father, can I see the world? I asked him, what's really going on? I said, I don't trust ABC, CBS, NBC. These people are lying to us, and they're racist, and I really want to know what's going on, Father. What is going on? I asked that question. And I said, what's with you using the black man? Because people were saying God is going to use a black man. God is going to use a black man. A lot of preachers were saying this back around 1988. So I asked the Father, what's with this black man thing? Why would you use somebody based upon color versus character? And uh, And also... I asked him, were there any blacks in the Bible? I kept hearing these people talk about how the Messiah was a dark-skinned man, and, and it didn't sit right with me. I mean, it sat right with me. I like hearing it, but it, it, it sounded racist because all my life I've, I wasn't exposed to that. Again, we're talking about enlightenment on my travels and how I got around to traveling. And so I asked the father that, and I, I asked him, were there any blacks in the Bible? Where is there anybody in the book? I said, I said, don't matter to me, Father, what color you are. Right now, I think that you are blonde hair and blue eyes. I don't care. I don't care. But I just want to know, again, folks, this is just a, a simple cry of a, of a, of a father, a, of a son to his daddy. Just a simple question while sitting on the knee, so to speak, of my father. Was there any people in the Bible that look like me? Cry of mine, not a teary cry but a heart's cry and I asked them was there any people in that book that looked like me and so these questions and, and, and then the last one can I understand the book of Revelation so again uh, 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 the, the questions were can I see the world uh, what's really going on because the news is not telling us the truth and I can't trust my education, I can't trust colleges, and I can't trust the news, and I can't trust anything I'm hearing in this country because everything is whitewashed. What is really going on, Father? That was a cry, a heart's cry, the second question. Third question was, what's with, with you using the black man? Not in this order, folks, but I asked these questions. I said, what's with you? What's with all these preachers telling me you're going to use a black man? I said, you know, because I was going to predominantly white church, and, and I once, I just didn't understand that. It's just the father's always been after people's character, not not color. But I found out later that he's not interested in color. He's going to use the, the so-called black man and dark-skinned people because the truth that he is getting ready to bring friends and family, a lot of our white brothers and sisters, will not, shall not, have no intentions of sharing it. And so those that do share it, just so happens, will be people of color. And that's what make it uh, the father using the black men in the latter days, not because of their skin color, but because of their obedience. So anyway, and then I asked him, um, like I said, uh, uh, were there any blacks in the Bible? I found out later that the, the Bible is full of people of, of color. I mean, predominantly, that book is full of people of color. They didn't call them black. You know, some wasn't even related to us, like, like you know, like we think it. But they were all pretty much people of color. And uh goes into that in details uh, with proof on a lot of shows. And then uh, the last thing was, can I understand the book of Revelation? Well, the Father came through in allowing me to see 
24 countries, and I'm not done. Folks, here it comes. Here it comes. October the 3rd, 2017, we come the rerun of the Enlightenment on my travels around the world. Enjoy, enjoy, and send me an uh, uh, email if you check if you like it. Uh, my email is seth.m.turner. Seth, S-E-T-H, dot M is in Mary, dot Turner at Gmail. Let me know what y'all think. All right? Good night. God bless. Here comes the show.
put the, the turn it down a little bit. And uh, just want to welcome you back to another episode of Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bob Smithstone, this brother Seth. Uh, I'm so glad you chose to join us tonight on Tuesday night. And I'm looking for a very exciting time uh, talking about my travels tonight. Very easy show for me. Very easy show. Just um, uh, uh, letting, um, letting. Um, how can I put this? How can I put this? Just tonight, we're just gonna. I'm just gonna open up and just share some personal experiences on my travels with my friends, and uh, and just kind of let y'all know how this whole uh, this whole five smooth stones, uh, these five messages that we talk about every single week, how they have been challenged, tested, even in some cases changed by. Not just people in the states and people around me, everyday people, relatives. Uh, that comes with just living, but also from people on my travels. So I haven't been everywhere, but the few places I've been, I must say they have been a blessing to be able to see the things that I've seen and experienced, the, the, and have the experiences I've had. I often talk about the travels. Uh, it's, the names of where I've been is not the most exciting part of the trip. It's the people I met and the experiences and the things that I've saw, the timing of things. That's what's important. You can go around the world all you want, but you have got to, if you don't have these connections with certain people, you can just, you're just another person traveling. So I'm not saying I've had the greatest experience. I'm sure some of y'all have even had better experiences, and that's wonderful, too. Let me know about them. Let's just talk tonight about uh, the world, not just your neighborhood, not just your state, not just your country. But let's talk about tonight your traveling, where you've been, what you've seen outside of your backyard, and how they have influenced you. It's not just about me talking about tonight where I've been, okay? Uh, It's not about me talking about where I've been, but it's about me talking about the places I've been and how they have influenced me all over the world outside of the United States. So I'm looking forward to this show tonight. This show has been put off for probably as long as I've been on Block Talk Radio. I've always said I want to talk about the places I've been, but I've been worried about people thinking that I'm trying to boast or trying to not worried, but just I don't want to be perceived the wrong way. I don't think I've been that many places, to tell you the truth. I mean, I met I meet people all the time that has traveled the world and lived in other parts of the world for, for years, and, and I admire that more than getting on a plane going somewhere for a day or two or a week. So uh, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Again, it's not where you've been. It's, it's whether the most I went with you and whether or not he was in fact behind your enlightenment because just because you go across the waters and learn something don't mean it's true so anyway welcome again to blog talk radio uh this is your host five smoothstone i'm brother seth i try to do this every tuesday night uh and thursday nights tuesday and thursday night so what i'm going to do at this point folks is just allow a few more people to come i'm so thankful for those of you that are here early uh, again, I'm so thankful for those of you that are here early. I'm not just saying that to be saying that, okay? You didn't have to stop by. You didn't have to spend time with us tonight. 
So I appreciate you. Don't ever think Brother Seth don't. I do, I do, I do, I do. I appreciate you. So we'll be right back. Uh, I'm going to give a few more people that I'm expecting to show up uh, time to uh, get to the show. And in the meantime, I want you to just enjoy this uh, this little fun song, I guess I should say. Real fun song. Uh, check this out. Did you? I remember Earth, Wind, and Fire. You remember that group? They always put out hits. Check out this one. We'll be right back. Five Smooth Stone, this is Brother Seth, and I'm um, 
tonight, looking forward to tonight, talking about, again, my travels, enlightenment on my travels is the name of the show. Enlightenment on my travels around the world is the title of the show. And again, tonight is not a boastful thing. I'm not trying to, I really don't think it's not that much to boast about, tell you the truth. Again, lots of people have traveled the world and seen a whole lot more than I've seen, but I do have a testimony, just like anybody else. And uh, we sometimes have got to not be doing what I've done the last past, I don't know how many months I'll put this off just because I'm worried about not sounding like I'm, you know, trying to say that if you don't travel, you don't know nothing or some, some whatever yeah, some of y'all might be thinking out there. I know some of y'all do think that, but tonight is the night. I finally decided to just uh, share with my friends, those that didn't want to know anyway, and when you call me, some of y'all, I talk about this stuff anyway, so tonight I thought I'd do a two-hour show on it where I'm just hitting this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other, just place after place after place after place that I've been. And what I feel, what I feel was an inspirational moment on the trip, an enlightenment moment on the trip. Somebody that I feel like was put in my path by the Most High. Somebody that I feel uh, allowed, took me someplace to see something that, that, it's life-changing. This is what this show is all about tonight. How is everybody doing? Hopefully everybody is well. I do mean that. I really wish that today you did the right thing. You didn't oppress anybody. Hopefully you didn't oppress anybody. If you did, hopefully you have um, repented in your heart because truly you are going to reap everything that you've done against humanity. So, hopefully tonight, y'all loved on some people, shared the love of Christ. Those of y'all that don't believe in Christ, hopefully you, that'll change. But hopefully you even as well shared uh, love for people today. And um, tonight, I want everybody to take your pen out, your tape recorders, because some of this stuff I'm going to be going to and I guarantee you, I'm going to tell you right now, I guarantee you, you're going to want me to repeat it. And I can't because this is a live show. So if you record it, you can get a lot of this stuff. I'm going to mention a lot of things, a lot of people. And uh, you can always Google it. I mean, you listen on the phone. And that don't mean because you Google something is correct. I know that. That don't mean because you sit in Wikipedia, all the online preachers, as I call them. Don't, that don't mean that they're always right. But uh, hopefully I'll give you enough information to research the things I talk about where you can go and to find enlightenment. First topic, first place I want to talk about that I've traveled to is India. And uh, don't ask me why I pick India first or just pick it first. Um, I had read something before I went to India in my uh, research of India. When I, before I go someplace, I always try to know as much about where I'm going than the people that live there. Well, I'm not to ask no questions because that's where you can get in trouble talking to strangers. And uh, so in my research of India, I heard something that that I found to be very true once I got to India, and that was India will be an assault to your senses. India will be an assault to 
your senses. In other words, there is no place on the planet like India. And that was true. It's assault in a good way. I mean, I... (laughs) To, to 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 give you an idea of what I mean by assault on your senses, I found myself on the way to see the Taj Mahal in traffic. Um, there was now you know India don't have a lot of red lights like we do. These people are way behind in lots of part of India in technology, way 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 behind. Um. I was at this light and I looked on one side and I saw an old BMW covered with uh, dirt. Also, my right, if I, my memory served me right, it might have been on my left, was a goat carrying a um, <laughs> a cart full of something somebody was trying to sell. Behind that person was somebody with some animal pulling the cart. To my left was a car that was so little. I mean, you got to see those little tiny cars in India. There's millions of them seen like. In other words, well, hold on, let me finish. And then in facing traffic, traffic coming towards me, literally there was somebody on an elephant. Literally, there was somebody on an elephant walking to uh, The elephant was walking towards us, and this guy was working. This was just a job. He was just hauling something, and he had an elephant. Uh, to his right at the park, catty corner to where I was, was a monkey, maybe two, at a park looking at all of us, like just another day, as though a cat would or a mouse would. I mean, not, uh, not a cat, a dog or a cat would do. You know how a dog or a cat kind of sit back and look at people? That's the way these monkeys were sitting up on a ledge. I think it was monkeys, plural, instead of one. All that that I just said is happening at a stoplight, not to mention there was seemed like hundreds of people coming both ways. We had just left slow traffic because the cow was in the road taking his time. That was earlier. That's what I mean by an assault on your senses. I know I'm trying to break this down to y'all, but you got to see this with your eyes. There is nothing but nothing like India, I promise you. So that should give you an idea of what I mean by assault. On your senses, there you're just not gonna find what I just said nowhere in the world. You can you can travel, um, <laughs> just thinking about this just tickles me because it is just amazing how these people they're just so different. It's all I can say. But India is also the place where I look for uh, a people called the Untouchables. The Untouchables. Why was Brother Seth looking for people called the Untouchables? Because I suspect they are a lost tribe. 
And one of the things I did on my travels, not all of the things, but just one of the things, this is not everything I did on travels. I, go, I, I do like anybody else, I sightsee. But one of the things I do on my travel is I look for the lost tribes of Israel. It's just something that I just can't shake ever since I found out that the people in Israel are not the true authentic Jews or the true Israelites. That's a whole nother topic. But uh, I began to start traveling, uh, looking for these people, because Moses said very clear in Deuteronomy 28, the book of Deuteronomy 28, verse 46, that there will be certain blessings upon this nation called Israel or the Jews, certain unique blessings if they obey as a nation, and certain unique curses if they disobey as a nation. So if one want to know who are the true Israelites, all you have to do is look at the blessings or the curses in Deuteronomy and look for any nation that's living out the blessings or the curses. I take that old scriptures to heart. There is no other way to identify the lost tribes of Israel except what Moses said was going to be upon them. And in verse 46, like I said earlier, he said that it was going to be upon them, but he went on to say forever. So these blessings, if they obey, it's going to be upon them forever. The blessings, that's in the, and they're unique, specific blessings that everybody, every nation can't say, oh, we go through that. It's unique blessings that's to be upon Israel if they obey as a nation and unique curses that's to be upon them if they disobey. So everybody cannot claim jewelry unless you have went through those unique blessings or those unique curses. And, again, this is going to be upon Israel forever. In 2012, which is the current year, is not the end of forever. It's included in that forever spoken of in Deuteronomy 28, verse 46. So when I travel, just like when I travel to India, I'm looking for people that were brought there in slave ships, as Deuteronomy 28, verse 68 talks about. I'm looking for people also, uh, again, brought there in slave ships. The Bible says in, in, uh, in verse 68 that you'll be brought back to Egypt in ships and sold as slaves, and no man will buy you or rescue you. In Egypt, of course, it's not the Egypt uh, as we know today. It says you'll be brought back to Egypt in ships. And we all know that Israel was to be scattered throughout the four corners of the earth. Israel was to be, was to be scattered throughout the four corners of the earth uh, because the Most High got upset with Israel and ran them out of the land of Israel. So Israel is in exile. Now there is lots of prophecies talking about they are going to return and become a nation again. And many people think that happened in 1948. But I have strong, strong evidence that that is not what happened. None of what happened in 1948 is in your Bibles. None of it. This is the United Nations, Great Britain, and the United States coming together and forcing a extra plate at the table, so to speak. Forcing a culture forcing a people into that land that is not the true Israelites. The true Israelites always was a people of color uh, because that land is a people of color. It's not a race, racial thing. It's just history. 
So I like to find out who the true Israelites are. And once I do find out people that are living out these characteristics that Israel is supposed to go through, I begin to try to educate them or hook them up with people that can educate them in that area. Uh, furthermore, about who they are. I think once the people know who they are, I think it gives them a new uh, zeal in life. I think it gives them new inspiration in life. And I know it did me. Yeah, I have my challenges even today. But I, I'm a whole lot different than I was prior to me finding out who I was as a people. African Americans are in the United States, and they are lost. They are lost. And I'm talking about the vast majority of them because they don't have no idea who they are. They own the names of the people that own them in slavery, and all they ever talk about with regards to the history of African Americans is slavery, slavery, when in fact our slavery is a biblical prophecy set forth in Deuteronomy 28, verse 68, and there's many other scriptures in the Bible that talk about Israel being put in ships and sold as slaves. It's not the only verse. And uh, we are fulfilling prophecy more so than any other people on the planet. If there's somebody else fulfilling prophecy like African Americans are, the prophecies that to be upon true Israelites or the true Jews, they're nothing more than one of those 12 tribes. And this is why I travel. While I'm at it, let me go ahead and name some of the places I've been. And uh, you can get an idea of what I mean when I say world travel. Because some people may say, well, that don't mean... It's because you went to India, you, you've been all over the world. Um, here's Let me just go ahead and read the, the, the show's description. What are we talking about? Those of you to just tune in to Five Smooth Stones tonight. What is Brother Seth talking about tonight? I typed this earlier. This is the description of the show. It says, uh, tonight, enlightenment on my travels. I discuss the most informative people while traveling, and the most amazing things I've seen to date that have changed me greatly spiritually and others. Below are some places I've been. Australia, and I've been to Cairns, uh, I call it Cairns, uh, in Australia. That's in the northern, north, uh, east part of Australia. Uh, Ethiopia, I've uh, been to Addis Ababa. Very good trip. We'll talk about that later. Been to Egypt, Cairo, Suez, and Taba. Uh, been to the Netherlands, uh, went to Holland. I've been to India. Uh, I went to New Delhi and Agra. Uh, I think I got India down here twice. Wow. Okay. We only went it once. Okay. So, uh, and then uh, let's go on, read the rest of this, several places here. After India, again, I went to India. I went to uh, uh, Agra. Agra is where the Taj Mahal is. For those of y'all saying, what is Agra? Where is Agra? Agra is where the Taj Mahal is. And New Delhi. And then I was blessed to uh, go to the uh, the Netherlands already. Bear with me. I'm trying to read my own writing. I went to some called the Marshall Islands. The Marshall Islands. What is the Marshall Islands, you ask? The Marshall Islands is a lot of islands. Instead of each one of them being a country, what they did, 
was they just say, we'll just call this group of islands. Hold on, what am I doing here? They'll say, we just call this group of islands the Marshall Islands, and that's the nation. So the nation, the official name, the official name of these islands. Again, they don't call a island a country; they just call a group of islands and that uh, certain name, and that's the country. So this is the country called Marshall Island. And I went to Majaro, and I went to Kwajalein. Majaro, Kwajalein, Kwajalein is just a military base, really. Uh, been to Israel, as many of you know, I've talked about Israel forever, all over Israel. I didn't type all the places I've been, but just to give you some ideas, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Eilat, some people say Eilat, that's right there on the border between Egypt and Israel, very, very beautiful. Demona, uh, Tiberias, um, uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, just all over Israel, folks. Okay. There's also a group of islands called the Federation of Micronesia. I went to one of their islands called Chuk. Uh, it used to be called Truk, T R U K. You know, it was funny there. I'll talk about that later, but this island was so tiny that you could park at the airport. And before the plane takes off, it just stops there. Uh, you could literally no. Let me just let me say it another way. Let me let me share it with you another way. This is how close the airport is to the neighborhood. You can literally run and touch the nearest house and run back to the airport in five minutes. <laughs> I know y'all don't believe that, but it's true. I laughed so hard when I saw that. It's right close to the airport. Now, they land this big old seven, I don't know what that plane was, probably 747. They land this big old plane, this tiny island, and that airport is so tiny it ain't funny, and yet it's that close to a house. It ain't an airport, nothing like you're thinking. It's so tiny. Anyway, that's uh, the island of Micronesia, one of the micro islands of Micronesia. I've been also to Papua New Guinea, uh, more specifically Port Mosby, been to the Dominican Republic, all over the Dominican Republic. I didn't put no no uh, um, uh, area down that I should have, but it was lazy. Uh, Venezuela, Caracas, uh, and also in Italy. I've been to Milan, and i also been to a place called Albino, doing research on albinos. It's literally a place called Albino, Italy. We'll talk about that later. Jamaica, Montego Bay, um, I guess Down River Falls is, I forget what city that's in, but I also went there in Jamaica. Um, that's another thing we're talking about. Jamaica is very important tonight. Canada, Toronto, and Vancouver, Puerto Rico, San Juan, Great Britain. I went to England. Uh, you know, Great Britain is more than just England. I went to England, though. France, went to Paris, Japan, Tokyo, Thailand, Bangkok, Spain. I went to Madrid. Uh, St. Thomas, I, I know it's U.S. owned, but it used to not be. It's still an island. They still have a different culture. You still can learn a lot on St. Thomas. That's why I put it down. Guam, also the same thing, owned by the United States, but it, it's still an island out there. You come across a lot of different culture things. Um, so that's why I put it down as one of the uh, a nation within itself, but it's not. It's actually a part of the United States territory. Uh, China, I went to China. I've been to Beijing. 
Hong Kong and um, Beijing and Hong Kong. Hong Kong is really like a own nation of itself, uh, but its own right now by China. Uh, different people own, own uh, Hong Kong. Canada, I think I mentioned Canada. So that's just names a few places. In these states, I've had a lot of spiritual encounters in the states, but tonight we're not really talking about the states, but I've been all over, um, did things like the Oprah show um, where there was some, I always try to, anything that I don't, again, it's not a show to really talk about what all I've done. I don't know if we'll ever do a show like that. I'm trying to stick with stuff that's spiritual versus there's different places I've been. But there's some places in the United States that have had serious, uh, a serious times of enlightenment. I mean serious. The United States got something for you. I've met lots of people, like I was somewhere earlier in Chicago. Uh, I mean all over, folks. Atlanta, Washington, D.C., like the Obama uh, inauguration. Very inspirational time. I learned so much that day, and I want to share that. When we talk about racial matters, again, I want to talk about the inauguration and things I've learned. Again, things that have changed me, that have given me enlightenment. But again, tonight, we don't want to focus so much on the states as we do outside of the country. Maybe I should include them both tonight, but I'm I've already said I was going to talk about outside. Maybe another time we'll do inside the states because it's a, a bit more place in the states than I've been outside of the states. So anyway, um, about back to uh, India. India was an assault to my senses. I was looking for these uh, Israelites also, as I was talking about earlier, and I found some people. Very dark skinned people that I, I found the untouchables. I found they don't like they don't call it no more. By the way, so please know that. Note that. Uh, they do not call them the untouchables. So don't go nowhere saying, Y'all like the untouchables there? India is embarrassed by even having such a people and they're trying their best to wipe it out of history. So they don't like saying that no more. But there used to be a people called the untouchables in the nation of India. These people was at the bottom of society. And if you read history on them, and then you read your Bible and look at what Moses said Israel is to go through, and then you read the history of the untouchables, and then you go back to the Bible and see what Moses said the people were to go to, you will come to a quick discovery that these people are living out the curses that's to be upon Israel. Now, I know people always say, why are you always talking about the curses, the curses, the curses? Nobody just want to be cursed all the time. Well, that's true. And I'm not saying that if anybody under the sound of my voice, I don't care where you're at on the planet, if you and your house live right, you serve the Most High, you follow his statutes. I'm not saying you got to even be perfect. The Bible says when you sow good seed, you're going to reap that harvest. So if you're one of those people that uh, have done nothing but right by your fellow brothers and sisters, and... Uh, you don't like Brother Seth or anybody telling you that, you know, your nation is cursed or you don't want to hear, you don't want to be associated with a curse in no way. I understand that. But this is what's to befall and what's to be upon the nation of Israel, not you as an individual household. I'm talking about folks that are African-American, that are 
you, your foreparents have lived out these uh, curses. They were brought on slave ships. The Bible says you have young men, but you won't enjoy them because they'll be taken captivity. And you're living that out. Or maybe your cousins is living this out because, again, we're all connected, okay? The Bible says you're a betrothal wife or betrothal yeah. wife, but another nation will come in line with her. It even says this nation comes from the north, Okay. Bible says you work all the days of your life. You won't enjoy your labor. You won't. Bible says you will not be able to rise as a nation. You can do all kinds of things. You can try to vote your way out of it. You can try to uh, keep um, spend your money a certain kind of way collectively as a whole, as a people. Try to have a black this, a black bank, a black whatever. won't work. You will not be able to rise as a nation. Isn't there... Isn't that one of the great wonders of the United States, how African Americans are not able to pull themselves up by their own bootstrap? They can make people like Bill Gates wealthy. They can make a lot of people wealthy. They, they're very good workers. They can make anybody uh, filthy rich. But when they try to come together, these same intelligent people try to come together to do something for themselves, it's, it just can't happen. It just don't seem to be able to happen. And we see other people coming over. And doing it like it's nothing to it. The scripture says, Israel, whoever they are, wherever they are, would not be able to come together without the Father. Other nations can be godless and they can do it, but not Israel. Why? Why would the Most High put that on such a people? Because he opened up the Red Sea for these people. He did things for these people that he did not do for other people. Amos, the book of Amos, in the Bible, the book of Amos, verse, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 2, says it like this. All the nations of the earth, you have I known. Therefore, I will punish you for all your transgression. What does that mean? Israel was different than other nations. Because they had the God of the heavens personally, personally guiding them around. He raised them up, a mighty nation out of Egypt, and he showed his face. So this is why Israel will have it harder than the other people. So I know a lot of y'all don't like me talking about these curses, but this is how you identify Israel. Because Israel, prophetically, it's already been said that they would be a rebellious people. They're going to be operating in curses. They're not going to be operating in blessings. No bless, no nation on this planet can claim the blessings of Deuteronomy 28, the first 15 verses. No nation. Show me one. No nation. No nation. Nobody have it that good. But Israel can if they would turn to the Most High. But we know that the uh, Israelites, people that have these characteristics, I should say, especially African-Americans, they have no sign of about to turn to the Most High as a nation. They're in a little bit of everything. So they are operating out of the curses, and this is how we know who Israel is. So I've been to all these countries. I spoke about India, and I was talking about the untouchables. There are these people that are living out. I mean, they're very dark-skinned people. As a matter of fact, let me just give you a quick example. I want to move on to the country because we've got uh, 23 more countries. The untouchables, what's one of the things they do for a living is they go around and collect cow dung, cow dung, and they it's, they, it, it's shaped like patties, and they um, 
know, you know, little circular things, and they work. They put it on top of their head, and they go sell this to make money. They go sell this to make money. I'm gonna say that again. Israel, I mean, excuse me, these untouchables who I believe are true Israelites. One of the things they do to make a living there at the very bottom of society is they sell cow dung. You know, India have that uh, system where they convert cow dung into uh, gas, into fuel. And so uh, they're doing it big time in India. And you can go sell cow dung and get your um, get, uh, get money for it. And, of course, nobody want to do that. But in India, in India, these so-called people called the Dalits, D-A-L-I-T-S, Dalits are untouchables. This is one of the jobs they do. Every single person I saw with cow dung on their head, they put this little thing that separates their hair between the cow dung, so the cow dung don't touch their hair. When I say cow dung, I'm talking about cow poop. For those of y'all listening, don't know what I mean by dung. Um, so they put these things on their head, and it's all dry looking, and they um, kind of remind you of pancakes. And they take them to the authorities, and they get money for them. I'm sure it's nothing. India was a trip watching these dark-skinned people and how the body language and the look on their face and the hopelessness and how many it was and them being uh, so bare-feeding and uh, uh, just um, – just destitute. Just the India already is a poor country. The India I saw, but just seeing these people, they was at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. No doubt, these people are Israelites. But it gets deep in there, folks. I just don't want to spend a whole lot of time. They actually have names for these Jews in Israel. There are people that claim to be Jews in Israel. Uh, again, I probably should take just one. One nation and just talk about it and all the history of the Jews there and how they claim to be Jews, keeping the Shabbat and all the priest days, I mean, the feast days. There are some Jews there called, I'll spell this for you, C as in Charlie, O-C-H-I-N, C as in Charlie, O-C-H-I-N Jews, Cochin Jews. You can Google them. Uh, there's lots more, though, in India. They're not the only ones in India that claim to be Jews. Uh, there's also uh, Karela, K-E-R-A-L-A, Karela Jews. They also call them, they, these are black Jews also. Uh, so there's several, and this is in southern India I'm talking about, where people are a lot darker. I was in northern India. I tried my best to go south with the minister I was traveling with, um, Reverend uh, Pandy uh, from Papua New Guinea, he travels with me, accompanied me on my travels a lot. Uh, we accompany each other, and uh, he always go and host crusades. He had a very large crusade, had seemed like thousands of his crusades, but I couldn't go with him south because I wanted to go see the Taj Mahal, and I didn't go to the crusade, and he did. So we kind of mixed the trips together. Some people think I probably should have went with him, but I didn't feel like I needed to. Um, anyway, he went north. He went. I went north. He went south, and I went to Agra. He went to uh, um, I forget where. But anyway, there are black Jews in 
South India, calling themselves Israelites, calling themselves Jews. All right? So this is one of the reasons I travel, again, looking for people that wear these characteristics, these prophecies, that are fulfilling these prophecies, and then what I try to do is share with them uh, who they are and uh, hook them up with websites and other institutions that can spread this better than I can there locally. So that's India, all right? And there's pictures of me in India. If you would go to the um, to the link on this page, uh, let's see if I, yeah, if you go to the link on this page called uh, the show, if you listen to me by computer, you should have it up in front of you right now. If you move down to the bottom of the link, uh, the description of the show, move down to the bottom of the um, description, you will see two links to pictures of me in these various places. But you got to read the show description, move down to the bottom, and you'll see these two links. Go to these links, and you can enjoy seeing these pictures I've taken of me at these various locations, okay? I got, I didn't put every picture on there, but I got a lot of pictures, okay? So, folks, enjoy. Please enjoy the photos. All right, now, let's talk about uh, quickly... Um, I kind of don't even want to talk about Israel because I talk. I've seen. I'm just gonna hit Israel real, real fast because it's just too much to ignore. I've been to Israel probably more than I've been anywhere. I've been eight, nine times, nine times, and then one year I went twice. Um, but anyway, not go to Israel. I go to South Israel to call a place called Demona. But I've been in Jerusalem. I've been uh, all over the place. Okay, Bethlehem. South Israel, North Israel. I haven't missed the Gaza Strip because it's not safe, but I've been all the other places seem like in Israel, all of the hot spots, all of the places that everybody seemed to want to uh, go when they tour that land. Now, having said that, let me tell you what I've seen in Israel, and I'm going to talk very fast because I've got more countries. I've talked a lot, already a lot about Israel. If y'all got to do is listen to my shows, and that's one of the main things that I talk about is Israel. But the place is vastly non-white until you get to where the cameras are at. And I'm being honest. When you get where the cameras are at, which is Jerusalem, that Wailing Wall, you know, all the hot spots where tourists go, that's when you'll see more uh, Caucasians. And this is no hatred or anything. This is just being real about what's going on in that land. Okay. Uh, the Most High talked about him bringing the nation from the north in Jeremiah 1. Go read it for you in your own Bible. It talks about how he will bring all the nations, all the nations of the north, all the nations of the north to Jerusalem as judgment against Israel. Because they was disobedient, not keeping his covenant, not keeping his commandments, he said he would bring a nation from the north as a punishment. And that was in Jeremiah 1. Check that out. There's over there's over 18 times in the Bible where the Most High says a nation is going to come from the north, occupy Israel as a punishment. So that's where the camera's at, where the tourists at. But if you begin to get away, break away from your tourists and and go like let our people in Demona show you around and let some other people show you around, just stay away from those tour guides. 
you can see a whole lot more of Israel, probably save you a whole lot of money, too, and you'll see the real Israel. And you will say to yourself, what on earth is going on? That's what I've been saying for many years. Okay? So Israel is a land of dark-skinned people. The Most High ran out those people. They've been scattered to the four corners of the earth. One day they are going to return. They are slowly returning, I must say, but there's not enough numbers to make any uh, sense of it. Israel is a very racist nation. Uh, they want to make sure everything stays white and everybody know that those people was not the original people of the land. So when you go on your little trips to Jerusalem, all you're going to do is be toured around to where the white images are. But if you break away, and I'll tell you this, you don't have to break very far. Actually, right there at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, there's a there's a uh, memorial to Mary. There's a memorial to Mary. If you would just simply, while you're facing the memorial to Mary, look to your right, you will see about nine, well, not that many. There's about maybe five or six giant photos with giant paintings of the patriarchs, and every single one of them is dark as you can imagine, and it's going to blow your mind away. It's going to blow you away when you see these photos, these, uh, excuse me, these paintings. They're off by themselves. Nobody's going to be over there taking pictures of them. They're going to be off to the side, and you're going to ask yourself this question. Why are these gigantic photos so close to one of the holiest shrines in the world? Why are they there? Why are these pictures of Moses and Abraham dark, very dark-skinned people? Why? Why are they in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? So all I'm saying is the truth is often stranger than fiction. So uh, we took, we went there, and I told the guy made sure we saw those photos, those, uh, again, paintings, and uh, he explained to us, what he felt was going on. So, again, when you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, please don't forget to look to your extreme right of the, uh, just as you're walking into that area where they're already married, if you keep on, if you keep walking around, because there's only one way to come in, you come in where the slab is left, you make a left right there at the slab, and you go all the way around to where to your left, to where you see the uh, memorial to Mary. If you keep on going around, you will see these photos that you cannot miss them. And you will ask yourself, my, my goodness, what is going on? That's Israel. Moving right along, I want to talk about Ethiopia, my travels to Ethiopia. Ethiopia is profound. It's one of the most profound places I've ever been on the planet. Nothing but nothing but nothing will I ever see probably coming close to Ethiopia, what I saw there. Ethiopia, the scripture says, will be as Israel. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to say it's a Bible study, but we can go there if some of y'all really want to know. But it says Ethiopia will be as Israel. Ethiopia will be as Israel. Ethiopia will be as Israel. In other words, lots of people will journey up to Ethiopia versus journey up to uh, Israel. Holy man, I'm talking about. But let me break this down a little closer. Queen, Queen of Sheba, which is called Makeda, uh, Sheba is now known as uh, Ethiopia. This woman and Solomon had a baby together, and uh, the baby name was Menelik. 
Menelik. Menelik descendants. When Menelik was born, Solomon sent 300 priests to make sure that Menelik was raised as an Israelite. He sent 300 priests along with this queen that he impregnated called Queen of Sheba from Ethiopia. He sent 300. They actually left when she was pregnant. She didn't know. I didn't know. I guess she didn't know she was pregnant, but after she met Solomon, uh, they had an affair, and, he, and she left, and she came back with this son to present to Solomon, and that's when he sent the 300 priests. Now, those people, those priests, are Menelik descendants, are all throughout Ethiopia. Not everybody in Ethiopia is from the tribe, of, uh, from the descendant of Menelik, but lots of them are. And one of the most popular persons on the planet that the planet ever seen, named was Haile Selassie, who was a direct descendant of Menelik. And uh, that's why a lot of people call him the last. This is why he had the name, the line, the the line of uh, Judah. They actually called him, and, and, and it's proof of it. Even even uh, uh, websites like YouTube have these clips of him, prominent people calling him the uh, Lion of the Tribe of Judah, and uh, he was the last real royal person to walk the planet. Really, according to the royal meaning royalness connected to the Bible. And so Halle Selassie uh, is just it's a lot of history on that man. This is why I went to Ethiopia, because I wanted to see everything I learned, everything I could about Halle Selassie. I knew he was a descendant of this person called Menelik, which was one of Solomon's sons uh, with the Queen of Sheba again. So I wanted to see their version of Christianity. I wanted to see their Bibles. I wanted to see Ethiopia's interpretation of Israel. And I got more than what I bargained for. Let me just tell you all real quickly something real powerful about Ethiopia because I've talked about Ethiopia a lot on this show, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it now. But one of the things I learned while uh, being toured around is I kept seeing these churches, these churches uh, called and, the, and they're real funny because some of these churches are in the ground. You can be walking on the ground and not see, not even see a church. And there's a, a big gigantic hole in the ground. I mean, we're talking about a hundred foot by a hundred feet. I mean, a hundred feet by a hundred feet football field size holes in the ground, and probably about a, another hundred feet down, hundred yards. Excuse me, hundred yards. And uh, you know what it is? It's a church. It's a gigantic church. They have these churches on the ground, and uh, they're called Ethiopian Orthodox Church, Ethiopian Orthodox Church. And this church, watch this, folks. When the monk was saved in the book of Acts, when the monk was baptized in the book of Acts, he went down into the water, as y'all know, Peter baptized him. He went back and started a church. That church is what the Ethiopian Orthodox Church is. Now, do you know what that means? If this man goes back and started church and he was baptized by Peter, that makes that church older than the Catholic Church by thousands of years. The Catholic Church didn't come on the scene until thousands of years after Peter now. This is what I'm talking about. I found this out in Ethiopia. But I knew I would. I knew I would find out something that strong. I knew about, uh, again, Solomon's son and, and, and Haile Selassie. I went to his palace, and that man would live the true royal life. I mean, Haile Selassie, 
done more for Africa probably than almost anybody. But uh, anyway, that blew me away that these people had that kind of, uh, and they have saints. It's another thing. These Ethiopians have saints. You know, I have the Catholic Church have saints. These people have their own saints. Teplahamanath um, was a very popular Ethiopian saint, very powerful man, walked in miracles. The miracles that surrounded Teplahamanath, Teplahamanath, T-E-K-L-A, Hamana, H-A-M-O-H-A-M-A-H-A-M-A-N-I-O-T, I believe, Hamana, Tepo Hamana, it was a saint. And uh, this man has so many miracles that surrounded him, so many, just so, you hear so many, he almost sound like Superman. I'm being real, I'm being very honest with you. It makes you almost... You kind of like say, man, I don't believe this stuff because it just sounds unreal. The things that he did, he fasted often. He had miracles. He would stand on one leg and pray because, you know, he didn't want to, for, for concentration. Say, Tekohamana did a lot of things that was just out of the box, totally out of the box priest. And, again, he's the Ethiopian thinking. Uh, Morgan Heritage got a song that called Nagus Nagas, Ethiopian for high priest. N-E-G-U-S, Nagus, and then Nagas, N-E-G-A-S-T. Walk up to the Ethiopian and, and say that word to that phrase to him. So what is a Nagus Nagas? It's the highest phrase you can give to somebody. Uh, it's like the highest of highest. Only God can wear this. The Nagus Nagas. It's just, just say it to the Ethiopian. You're a male you won't ever forget their response. But anyway, um, there's a song by Morgan Harrison called Nagus Nagas, uh, talking about the whole lineage thing. Anyway, uh, Ethiopia, I cannot, when I was, got out got out of the airplane in Addis Ababa and I was, saw all these Ethiopians walking, y'all will never see nothing like this. I'm not going to say what you no more do. I shouldn't say that. I bet you most people will never see this. I looked up the street, and all these Ethiopians, because they walk. A lot of people walk. There's not a whole lot of cars. I mean, there's cars everywhere. But a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't have cars. And I saw thousands of people walking. But that wasn't the, the mystery. What was shocking was the way they was dressed. They looked just like biblical times. You know, like a robe kind of attire. And most of them were white. They're very spiritual people in Ethiopia, very strict, strict, strict. It's like the whole nation is a church. It's really weird. I mean, it's a good way. And I look all as far as my eye can see, I can see all these people walking with these white, and I say, man, this looks nothing but like the Israelites. I mean, we're just talking about a regular day. We're not talking about no convention. We ain't talking about no marches. We're talking about folks just every day. You just look for thousands. Far as your eye can see, people walking in this long street. I can't figure, remember, but it's not too far from the airport because I want to be in that area. And I was sitting at this hotel, and, uh, man, ah, let me just I'm gonna put some of these pictures online. I put several of them. That's another thing. Folks, don't forget to go to the the show description, click on the two links inside of the show description at the very bottom, and it'll take you to my website. Some pictures are there, and it'll take you to Facebook. Some pictures are there, and you will be able to see some of these uh, photos I'm talking about. Ethiopia, Ethiopia, Ethiopia changed my life. 
that gentleman, when he told me that these churches are coming, basically predated Catholicism by thousands of years, I was done. But you've got to go to the Ethiopian Museum. I'm not doing this no justice because I'm trying to move on to other countries, but I knew that the Ethiopian Museum was another place I had to get to. And uh, I did get there, and I'm telling y'all, let me just give y'all an example of what I saw at the Ethiopian Museum. This is crazy. I'm at the Ethiopian Museum, right? And I see all of these black girls and um, and black men, boys, helping animals. I mean, tending to animals. I've never, ever seen this in my entire life on no PBS channel to nothing. You need to see how beautiful these people were. You see, normally on TV they show you all these Ethiopians looking like they're hungry and dying of but these was healthy, good-looking kids caring for camels. They had pet camels and pet elephants. And, and I saw this one girl. I said, man, I, I, don't, I, I did take a picture, but my pictures are everywhere. But I'm going to find that picture and, and try to put it online. The way she was tending to this creature, it's like she'd been knowing it forever. It's like, one, it's like closer than her brother. And it was so, and that blew me away, the body language of these people, while they was talking to these animals on these photos, of trying, it looked like they was talking to them anyway, but how they would oftentimes be running up against them. And this is just regular Ethiopian photos. This is not no art. This is not somebody drew. This is a photo of people just hanging out with their animals. And I thought it was crazy. One other thing that happened to me that was funny, I, when I first got there, I asked people, where are the people, where are the Ethiopians with the the big, um, y'all don't laugh, this is a true story. I said, where are the people with the, uh, you know, the earlobes, uh, the mouth is pushed out by these cup-looking things, or uh, the earlobes is real stretched. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You know how people had a cup in their mouth and a cup, it like a, it looked like a little plate or something. Man, those folks that I asked that question, they bust out laughing so hard. And they said, let us know when you find them. We want to see them too. And I was so embarrassed. They said, we don't see people like that. They are somewhere up in like the high mountains of Ethiopia. They they. You just don't see them. You have to go travel this and they can't take a car even up there. And I was like blown away. Blown away. Again, you cannot trust the United States media. You cannot trust these lying folks. They want to make us all hate Africa. They want to have us all just thinking it's nothing there while they go and rape up all the resources and just just they want to destroy the history. They want to destroy any and everything good about Africa. This is why I tell people I, I will never ever be against Africa. Everything, but everything started from the continent of Africa. That's where everything started from. Israel, everything. Everything started from Africa. So um, my hat goes off to Ethiopia. I can talk about Ethiopia for the rest of this show. I learned so much, saw so much. Uh, did I see poverty? Yes. But I saw a pride in those people. And I saw something that uh, you just don't see everywhere. I'll tell you something else I saw about Ethiopia real quick before I move on to another country. Is 
I saw so many Chinese there. I was shocked. I was blown away. The Chinese and the European is trying their best to just take their country and exploit them every which way they can. I've got this one photo, and it is on Facebook, where I was uh, standing by some trees, and I was blown away by all these trees that were destroyed, and I asked somebody, what happened to these trees? Why is there all these, seem like thousands of acres of trees just cut down? They said, well, it's for the meat. It's for the West. All this is cut down that goes to the West. And I was blown away. You see, for our way of life, we are what they call deforestation. I think if I'm saying it right. We're doing this all over Africa, cutting down thousands and thousands of trees. And this is causing all kind of pain, problems with farmers. And, you know, uh, they say you need trees for a billion different reasons. And uh, anyway, that that was a photo I got. I don't want to get too deep on that. I'm just saying y'all know what's going on with that. Uh, and another thing, I went down to the Hyatt, I mean the Hilton Inn, the Hilton, just to see what was going on being known. I saw Hilton Inn, and that was something I was familiar with. So I walked to the Hilton, and I be dog. That's where everybody white was. It seemed like everybody that goes to Ethiopia. That's it's like. It's like uh it's like I went back to uh, Omaha somewhere. I mean, it was all white. There were black people that ran the hotel obviously. But I mean that place had hundreds of white people. And I said, Oh my goodness, so these people come here, they live like kings, they make all these deals and they rape up this land and then they go back and they, they never really see the people. I'm sure they get out. I'm not saying they don't ever see the people. But what I'm trying to say is, when you know it, they would be at the Hyatt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Y'all would have to have seen it. I'm not doing it no justice. These people was everywhere, and they looked like they was filthy rich. Every single one of them looked like they they had their own butlers, and it was just nice hotel, real nice hotel. And there they were. My goodness. You can't judge a lot of them probably is there to try to help Ethiopia, but I don't know. Uh, Y'all know. I do know. I ain't getting into it, though. Ethiopia, Ethiopia, Ethiopia. Let me jump on Australia, do something a little different. We'll talk about Australia. You know, Australia has some people called the uh, uh, Aborigines. Aborigines, y'all have got to do some research on the Aborigines. These people have been fighting for justice and equality and civil rights so long, and they have just gotten a break. I think about 10 years ago, something major happened there. I was reading up on it not too long ago. I just can't recall everything. But when I went to Australia, I went to a place called Cairns or Carnes. Depends on who you ask if you pronounce it different ways. And it's North. East Australia. I saw people, and I'm not exaggerating, dressed as nice as anybody you're going to see at any mall. That's what most people are dressed. Now, in the middle of these people being dressed like this, imagine people walk around, hair halfway combed, no shoes on, and just like beggars, but they're not really beggars. They're not standing around begging. They're just walking around, you know, 
I didn't see them really begging, but they just was an eyesore. They definitely was an eyesore in this society. These people are called the Aborigines or Aboriginals. Again, depending on who you ask. These people are the native Australians. Trace their history, a lot of them, and you will see a common thread with the prophecies as to be upon Israel. Aborigines, Aboriginals, check their history. Don't trust me. Don't believe me. I'm subject to say anything, right? Some of y'all think that. That's not true, but I will not lie to y'all. When you, when I begin to research you people, just because people have it hard and they go through pain don't mean they're Israel or don't mean they're a Jew. Just because you're suffering and your people suffer, that don't mean you make you a Jew. You've got to go through certain types of calamities, certain types of things, and it has to be as a nation. You try to come together, you can't. The Bible says Israel will not be able to come together and rebuild unless the Most High is their center. Again, you have children, but you won't enjoy them because they'll be taken to captivity, especially your men. It says you have sons, but you won't be able to enjoy them, they'll be taken to captivity. Work all the days of your life, won't enjoy your labor. Build houses for others, but you won't stay in them. This is what the nation of so-called African Americans went through. And there's lots of more prophetic curses and blessings that's to be upon Israel. I go to this, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, i got to say this because I know somebody's listening to this new. I always got to remember that. But the rest of y'all know we have shows dealing with just these scriptures, just these prophecies that's to be upon Israel. We did this. We did over probably 15 shows talking about who the true Israelites are in biblical uh, scriptures uh, to support that. So I'm not going to get into that now. Y'all just got to listen to the previous recordings. The Aborigines or the Aboriginals of Australia, I believe with all of my heart, every fire of my being, that these rejected, despised people at the bottom of society, because remember that's one of Israel's characteristics, they can have it hard in any of nations. Leviticus 26 says it like this. They're going to have it seven times harder than any other nation. Now remember, Moses said these things are going to be upon Israel forever, but this is just not an ancient thing that already happened and passed away. These things are going to be upon Israel forever, according to the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 and 46 to be exact. So I believe with all my heart that the Aborigines of Australia is another lost tribe. Okay? Now, I've done some research on it, and I would share with y'all even people that claim to be uh, Israelites or Jews in Australia, but I just can't get into all that now. I'm just letting y'all know they're there. Do research on them. Type in the word Aborigines. Type in the word Black Jews, Australia. And you see what you come up with. And if you do, do study, if you do it the way I'm saying it and really be diligent about it, you're going to find them there. They're all over. These Jews or these Israelites, people claiming to be Israelites that have these characteristics are all over the planet. The Bible says he scattered Israel to all nations. Now, not the 200 nations they have today because there's really only 70 nations that the most I acknowledge in, the, I think, is Genesis 10. So there's only 70 locations these people have been scattered to. 
that's Ethiopia. I mean, uh, that is uh, Australia. Now, let's talk about another place. Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Uh, no, I mentioned Papua New Guinea also on the show, but I'm, I'm going to hit it, it again quickly because it's so, so doggone important. Papua New Guinea is right above Australia. Since I'm dealing with Australia, I'm going to do it right above it. Papua New Guinea is the only place on the planet where they have yet, a lot of people have yet to even see the first white man. Can you imagine that? I know you can't. They have yet. I'm just messing with you. Just teasing, y'all. But for real, for real. I mean, even the the Learning Channel had them on. I mean, uh, not the Learning Channel, but the uh, History Channel. Papua New Guinea, they actually showed a video of uh, them seeing uh, this 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 one tribe anyway, seeing the, this white man for the first time, and it was amazing. I recorded the show, had my kids watch it because I wanted them to see that here are people that have never ever ever seen white skin. We live in America, and we think it's so many white people. And I'm talking about y'all again. Those y'all know me. I believe that. There ain't even really no such thing as white people or black people. We're just one race of people, one one people. And I don't even believe in the race concept. We're one people with different degrees of melanin, period, in the story. We're all the same. But they've never seen people without pigmentation. Never seen it. Well, Papua New Guinea. I'm traveling with a minister by the name of Reverend Pandy, who is from Papua New Guinea. Check him out on my Facebook. Go to my Facebook page. Type in my friends and then do a scan for Pandy, and you'll see his family. It's all legitimate, but I'm not making up none of this. Reverend Pandy said that we keep all of the law. We keep all of the law. He said, Brother Seth, we don't keep the law like you think we keep the law. We keep the law like they did back in biblical times. Folks, we talking about people that live like people did back in the summer. He's talking about the high it's a place called Highland. Uh, it's in the Highland, excuse me. Now okay, well I think what he said. Not not uh, Port Mosby, that's the main capital of Papua New Guinea. But Reverend Pandy is from the Highlands. And he says up there you, it's just not in there. And he says that's where you see a lot of practice of of what the Jews actually do. Now again, here's some people are right outside Australia. And I believe that slave ships brought these people to that island. Now keep in mind there's dark skinned people all throughout the Pacific. They're everywhere. That's one of the things I want to let everybody know. When you travel the world and I ain't been everywhere, but I can tell you this. From my research and pictures that I see of those places I haven't been, the world truly is non-white. United Nations is 8%, and that's exactly what it feels like. And most of that 8% is concentrated right here in the United States and in Europe. A little bit in, in Canada, a few little sprinkles in Canada. They're all over the world, of course, but they're nowhere near the numbers. I mean, they just sprinkle, very lightly sprinkle all over the rest of the world, but they're heavily concentrated in the United States. And they're, they're, they talk like this, people don't understand. 
understand what you're saying. They feel like you're racist or something because all they ever see is white people. With people from Papua New Guinea, it is a new thing to see blonde hair and blue eyes except to be an albino a part of their tribe. They don't see no white-skinned people. They just don't see it, not that much. Before I move off of Papua New Guinea, I want to share something else that's very disturbing. Y'all going to like this. This is crazy. I'm in Papua New Guinea, minding my own business. And in the most I thank him for this experience. All oh, this changed me. This is going to change some of you just hearing this. And it may, I promise you, this is the truth that helped me. So help me, Father. I promise you, I would never lie to y'all about something like this. It's going to sound like it when I tell you this. I was minding my own business. And I was staying outside of the United States Embassy, the U.S. Embassy, right there in Port Mosby. And, you know, that's the U.S. Embassy. And if you walk in any U.S. Embassy, I've been in several, it's like going back home. When you walk inside there, even though you're in another country, Somebody is going to be in there to speak English, probably some white guy going to be from Georgia somewhere, and it's going to be like you're at home. It's going to be a United States flag. Oftentimes, if you need any kind of help, uh, they can get there because I actually got stuck in uh, Egypt one time. It's a whole other experience. Uh, but the most I got us out, and I end up, I have to share that with you in a second. We'll try to talk about Taba, Egypt in a minute. But uh, I walked in there, and this white guy befriended me. We both started talking. I'm, I'm normally nice to everybody, and I was nice to him, and he just started talking. Folks, y'all listen to me very closely. This guy started saying how he don't even know how he winds up working there at the embassy. He said his uncle ran the embassy. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. But he said his uncle ran the embassy, and he just he don't know how he ended up working there. He says, I'm a mechanic. I said, what do you mean a mechanic? I work on cars. He was somewhere from, like, Kentucky or somewhere, and he worked on cars, people. His uncle had him to come to Papua New Guinea, gave him a job at the embassy, a very important job. Now, watch what he said. He said, my uncle, let everybody know this place is horrible. And the reason why he tell everybody, all of his coworkers, when, you know, media called or some of his coworkers that within the embassies of it, you know, because I guess, I guess, I don't know what department runs the embassy, but whenever they call him and ask for a report, he, he hikes up the crime rate. He have, he have everybody thinking that the, 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 the Papua New Guineans are very hostile to each other. And I said, you serious? He said, yeah. He said, I said, why did he do that? He said, he does that for job security. Because if he tells the truth about the Papua New Guineans, other people are going to want and be and run an embassy. They may bump him out because they got higher seniority or something. And I say, what? And he say, yeah. He say he paints Papua New Guinea as a very rough, uh, uncivilized country. And he says he does this. Now, how do we know that's true? Maybe that's true. Maybe he just lied because he just wanted to look that way to just paint black folks as being inferior. 
Maybe that's what he tells his nephew. But maybe the uncle is, is a part of this system that constantly undermines black people. I don't know. I'll let you guess. Which one is it? Is he trying to – is it truly job security? Or is the, the powers that be having him do that? So guess what happened when the United Nations called there? Or any other media call there, or they look up the stats on Papua New Guinea, they see all these alarming numbers. And I thought to myself, you know what, if this man, and it's like, you know how some people talk to you and you can tell they're trying to get something off their chest? This guy didn't know me from jump, but he liked me that I, you know, spoke to him and was kind to him, and he took it upon himself to share with me all this information. Folks, I'm telling y'all the Scott truth. Port Mosby, downtown Port Mosby, there is a U.S. embassy. I spoke with the gentleman there. He said his uncle ran the place. His uncle was the top person there. This is the kind of things I meant on my travel that the most I bring across my path that have just changed me, that changed my outlook on life. And it that guy is one out of hundreds, and I'm not going to say hundreds, but I'll say out of uh, close to a hundred of people that confided in me and shared with me or, or just simply just told me some things. Speaking of that, let me go back to Australia for a second. There was a cab driver, and uh, he t- he actually is the one that took me from the airport to uh, this because I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to see some parts of uh, Cairns because I didn't stay overnight in Australia. I just was there for twenty. Uh, it was a long time. I was there enough to walk around, ask a thousand questions, learn the culture, uh, interview people. Because it don't take you there all day. You don't have to overnight. You can learn a whole lot. I, you'd be surprised to know how much I found out about that place. And then I went more than once. That wasn't the first time I went. Uh, but this particular time was a short visit, and this guy, he was a taxi driver from the airport to this little hangout area. Uh, you see this little dock and this pier where all the shops were really nice place. That's why I saw these uh, aborigines. But anyway, this guy was talking, and he was from, uh, I think, Uganda, wherever Idi Amin was the president. And he was sharing things about Idi Amin. I was listening to him, and I just could not believe my ears. He was talking about how Idi Amin was a great man for Africa. He loved Africa. He wanted to work for Africa. He wanted to build Africa. And he definitely wanted uh, Uganda to be top. And so he would. Uh, he hated white people. He hated the press. And he would oftentimes humiliate the press because he knew they would just go lie on him. And one of the things he would do to the press, he would always tell them that you have to crawl. When you enter to his royal suite where he was, the media, it, he said it was a part of African culture, African culture that you crawl a certain distance. And it was not a part of African culture. This man just made this up to humiliate them in front of his people. This is what one of the things Idi Amin did. He was talking about how this man was a great leader. He just did not play with no Uncle Tom people. Anybody that crossed him, Anybody that did not stand up for Uganda, that lived in Uganda, all of that Uncle Tom type of behavior, this man had you killed or harassed. Seriously. He didn't play that. He knew that Africa could not be strong. And I'm not trying to justify what he did. I'm just telling you what this brother told me. He said this man was serious. 
And he said we had more Ugandans, African. He said more. If that means Africa would be further ahead. They didn't play with Europeans. He didn't play with Europeans. He didn't play with the press, and he did not allow whites to come in there and rule his country. I mean, he just was all about his people, and he said he was a great leader. And I was like, what? I mean, say what you want to say, but the United States do something very similar, you know. Start speaking against this country. Start trying to undermine this country. Be a spy and go spy against this country and see what they do to you. So, I mean, I, I understood it. And a lot of women listening to me right now probably think I'm cuckoo because Idi Amin is known as one of the most vicious, um, corrupt leaders, supposedly, of Africa. They are, you know, notice they always say that about all African leaders. They're corrupt, they're corrupt, they're corrupt. Some, everybody can't be corrupt in Africa. But I found out why they say that. They say that because they cannot ever have African Americans and other ethnic groups across the world looking favorably at that at the motherland. Because if India take a liking to Africa or China take a liking to Africa and start respecting them as human beings, start trying to do business with them, not only will Africa rise, but it could mean the demise of the United States because we live our government, not me, not you but our government live off the exploitation of the African resources. Y'all know that. So that gives you an idea, Idi. I mean, one of his, uh, one of the Ugandans, uh, Ugandans broke that down to me, and I'm still shocked by his comment. But again, most I bring people just like this. It's not the brother Seth travel here and travel there. It's who I met. These people are really saying some things. I know I'm spending a lot of time and not getting past, but let me just move on a little faster. Jamaica, Jamaica, Jamaica. I'm going to go through this real fast. Jamaica, Jamaica, Jamaica. Jamaica is the one that put Halle Selassie on the map. They're the ones that talk a lot about his, a lot of the great things he did. The Jamaicans won't let Halle Selassie die. And they talked about how he defeated the uh, Italians. Did y'all know that? That Halle Selassie's army was getting their butts whooped. Italy... Excuse me, they're the only African country that hasn't been occupied by um, Europeans for any length of time. Italy was there for like a year or two, short, short period. And uh, Halle Selassie went all over the world trying to drum up support to get these people out of his country. Couldn't do it. Came back, called his people on a fast. And they, the nation of Ethiopia went on a fast. That's when they went to these uh, churches built on the ground. And uh, guess what? They defeated the Italians. They defeated the Italians. Now, some people say they had some little help by some people. I forget who it was. It was like, kind of like UN. Uh, but vast, the vast majority of that army was people with rocks, bow and arrows, sticks. This is what defeated. This is what the bulk of the Ethiopian army. Again, I hear there was some UN peacekeeper, some UN uh, soldiers or something like that. They don't, I don't know if they uh, even called them UN. They weren't NATO. It was something. I think it was UN soldiers uh, that supposedly helped them for a bit. But folks, the vast majority of that, of that nation of that army was farmers, and they defeated the Italians, which had a, a, a serious superior uh, uh, armor. So 
Anyway, back see you can't leave Ethiopia, so much history. But anyway, I was talking about Jamaica. Jamaica actually um is the one that pushed this whole thing about the Israelites, probably more so than anybody on the planet. They constantly keep it before everybody who the real Israelites are. Um, Jamaicans are very strong, even though I think it was a tragedy when they started to, to justify Rastafarianism, begin to justify smoking weed. I think when they did that, people just threw them away, threw the baby out with the bath water. But the truth of the matter is these people have some strong proof about who Israel is, and they sing about it all the time. They've been doing it for thousands of years, hundreds of years, it seems like. They've been hundreds, but it's been a while. Jamaica, 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 Jamaica. How can you forget Jamaica? No other country on the planet pushes the issue of blacks being the Israelites more so than the Rastafarians. No, there is nobody else. There is no denomination. There is nobody, nowhere, anywhere. And uh, one of the things that the Rastafarians constantly say is Haile Selassie is the one that brought all this to the forefront. Now, some people say, oh, no, we had a bunch of people in the United States saying we was Israelites, blah, blah, blah. But the Rastafarians promise us, they swear that Haile Selassie was the one that uh, brought a lot of the information about that the African Americans are. And he didn't call them African Americans back then, but he said the blacks in America is Judah. That comes from the mouth of the one and only Haile Selassie. So, I haven't I haven't really researched that because it doesn't really have that much weight to me if he did do it either way, but that is what lots and lots and lots of Rastafarians say, and some of them, some of them go as far as him to say that he is deity, but a lot of them don't believe he. I don't think they believe he is Jah. I don't think they believe he is Jah. We we call the Father. They call Jah. You know, the Bible does say call his name Jah. That's where they get that from. But y'all know there wasn't no J in the Hebrew language that would make his name Yah. But anyway, the Rastafarians, Jamaica, Jamaica, Jamaica. I've been there, enjoyed going there, enjoyed the history. You can get so much information. If you go to Jamaica, see the Rastafarians, and just let them educate you. You're not going to believe everything in Naples. You might not believe in smoking weed and all this stuff. Herb is good for the body. You know, they kind of use that scripture, I think, too much. But uh, if you just subtract the weed from their culture, there are some very strong, strong teachings of it. Rastafarians ain't no joke. I just can't say it enough. They ain't no joke. And so, anyway, uh, I've been to Jamaica. I went to Montego Bay, Dunville Falls, Mary. Okay, uh, Puerto Rico was a pass-through. I've been there many times. Never really stayed. Um, Dominican Republic, my goodness, this is where the first church was. Uh, Columbus, the first church in America, the Americas, North America and South America, is in Dominican Republic. Lots of history in the Dominican Republic. As y'all know that a lot of people of our people in Dominican is brainwashed because the French came through there and mixed with a lot of those Africans and the French uh, mixture. Uh, Louis Jr. Gates did a real, real powerful, powerful show just type in Louis Jr. Gates and Dominican Republic, and yeah, I know you'll bring it up. Louis Jr. Gates and the Dominican Republic, and you'll pull up his research he did on the Dominican. How that they're beautiful, they're beautiful. I have never ever seen no place with that that many beautiful women ever, nowhere ever. I've been even Brazil cannot touch the Dominican Republic because Brazil has fast food. Their women eating all kind of stuff, and they got fat people down there. 
I'm talking about if you're talking about some 130, 120, 150, no less, no more than 150 pound women on the whole island. Never seen nothing like the Dominican Republic. I, I stumbled up on it actually accidentally. Me and my stepdad, we went down, we were looking for a place to go, and and Dominican was just hit with a uh, uh, a hurricane, and uh, we were trying to go to Jamaica, but Jamaica was full, flight was full, and so we ended up having to go to uh, Dominican, and they even gave us a really low rate because they had just got hit with a uh, tornado, and you, I mean, hurricane, you know, nobody want to go to no place when it's devastated, but we went anyway. Even though we did see a whole lot of devastation, we saw something that blew our mind. We ain't been right since in terms of uh, our opinion of that place. Nobody can touch those women, very beautiful women. And Louis Jake, uh, Henry Louis, uh, said his name correct. Henry Louis Gates said that they're mixed with French. It's black people mixed with French. And then on the Haiti side, you know, Haiti and Dominican share the same island. One side is Haiti, one side is Dominican Republic. Well, one side mixed with the French and the other one mixed with the, uh, I forget what they mix with, but they're more African features, pure African. And that's another thing. Haiti got a bad rap. I didn't ever go to Haiti, tried to go bad, but the Dominicans were scared to death, sent me over the border to, to uh, Haiti. It was just not far, about a three-hour drive. I was so upset, but they was afraid of the voodoo in uh, Haiti and brainwashed by obviously the press and everybody else because I am from the States and, and I heard the same thing about all the voodoo but they would not take me over to Haiti for nothing they eyes bumped and they looked scared to death when I even asked they said oh no 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 can't go to Haiti can't go to Haiti and I said why and they started talking about this witchcraft so our people are divided 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 but I'm telling you Haiti get a bad rap Haiti, Haiti get a bad rap. Now, remember, Haiti is the country that defeated, I think it was Napoleon, I want to say. They embarrassed his army. That little nation whooped they behind. So I want to say it was Napoleon. I could be wrong. I'm not a history. I'm not that, that part of history I'm, I'm not sure about. But I know that they defeated one of those European armies and embarrassed them. And it's one of the negative marks to, on, on Europe. Uh, in history, and I think that's why Haiti is always poor. They try to make sure they pay, but at the same time, look at the Haitians. Follow the scriptures. You be broke. You be taken back to Egypt in ships. Look at how they got there. Look how those blacks got there. There's lots of dark-skinned people brought to the Caribbean, and I'm including Haiti with the Caribbean that have these Hebrew characteristics. They have these Jewish characteristics, these prophecies that to be upon Israel. They are wearing these same prophecies. Y'all can say what y'all want to say, but it's too obvious. There's something very strange about the Haitians, and I believe they're Israel. Very powerful people, very spiritual people. So Haiti, I haven't been, though. I haven't been to Haiti, but I have been to the Dominican. I think they're just as Israelites as well. They brought their enslaved by the French and and all the characteristics, they're not able to come together either. So, again, we're talking about people that can't come together. They can have, they may be mostly a part of a nation, but they just can't come together. You know how people can come here. A lot of the Indians can come here and just do their thing. 
and uh, rise up and become mighty people in our country. And yet we've been here all these years and, and just can't seem to do that. That's a Hebrew characteristic. That's what, what's what the Bible said would happen to Israel. Okay? Anyway, anyway, let's move on, move on. All right, so we talked about, uh, I mentioned France. I was in France very briefly. wasn't there long, just enough to, it was a more of a tourist thing. I didn't get into the history of France. Didn't do my homework for that trip. I just wanted to get away and just relax and go to the Eiffel Tower and just see. I did get a chance to share with, with a couple about who we were as a people. Everywhere I go, I try to share with somebody, and, and uh, they begin to listen. Uh, actually, I share right there at the Eiffel Tower, right right at that little um, where they be skating at. A lot of uh, it's like um, where they a lot of vendors come and. It's a good distance from the Eiffel Tower. When I was up there just sharing about, you know, enjoying the scenery too. I'm not going to lie. Enjoy walking around. And, but I also was able to share who we were. And do I did a little research on France, but I didn't get a chance to get out among the people. My goal when I go someplace, if it's a short trip, I can't do this. But if it's a long trip, my goal is to get an interpreter. If it's a, if it's a country where I don't speak the language, get an interpreter, preferably some student, and pay them. And let them go around with me if I can. That's the best way to travel. Get a college student, pay them, and they'll be glad to take you around and show you everything. But France was pretty easy. It was kind of complicated, but it was, it, it was a lot easier than I thought, the, the whole English barrier thing. But I did, I did share with, some, with a black couple of identity, and they seemed pretty receptive about it, you know. So France was kind of a... Again, a short trip. Egypt, um, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about Egypt. I've talked about Egypt so much, but you just will never be the same until you go to Egypt. And uh, like Brother Joseph Johnson been saying forever, you always talk about Luxor. Go down to Luxor. Go down to whole now Valley. But make sure you don't forget Cairo. And take a look at that Sphinx. Take a look at that Sphinx and look into the eyes of that thing. I guarantee you won't be the same. Pyramids is great. It's going to awe you. You're going to want to touch and take pictures. Ain't nothing like them pyramids. It's going to blow you away. I don't care who you are. It's going to impress the food out of you. You will never see nothing as great as those pyramids with your eyes. But when you see those things, <laughs> don't be afraid if it just it just it just grabbed me in a way that is very hard to explain. I don't think I've ever said this on Blog Talk Radio, but this is what I got from it. The whole while I was in Egypt, I made sure my number one thing is I wanted to see statues. I wanted to see just what they were saying. Some of y'all don't think statues talk, but I believe they do. I think when people make statues and they draw, they want their pictures and their images to speak. This is not as deep as you think. So I went to the Egyptian Museum, and I went to... Saw the pyramids and I saw the saints, and I'm telling y'all, that thing look at you, 
and it says like nobody can utter in words, hell yeah, we rule. How dare you even doubt me? That's what I got. I can't even say it. The only way I can think of it is hell yeah, but it was stronger than hell yeah. It was a look of confidence. But I'm going to tell you when you really can see it. Go online and go to the Egyptian Museum, Cairo Museum, it ain't but one, the big museum there, and look at this gigantic statue, this black couple, this, this African couple, these pharaohs, whatever they were, powerful people. When I went to see this statue, I was as tall as the toe of the statue. You know, like the baby toe or the big toe. I'm 5'11", six foot almost. I was as tall as the toe. So you can get an idea how big the statue was, right? You got to back up and keep backing up and keep backing up to see the, the top, the front, the face of this, this, of this couple. And they're looking like that same message. Hell yeah, we rule. We were never servants. It it ain't it's a it, I don't even know if arrogance is the word. I don't even know what you say about people like that. I don't even know if people on the planet is that confident about anything. Why do I like any I don't know if I've ever met anybody look that confident. That's what I got out of Egypt. I got what I went there for. I've never seen one statue out of all the little thousands of statues I've seen in um, Egypt. Not one of their heads is bowed looking down. Go online and look up statues of Egypt. You'll never see a person bending there with their head down. It's almost like it's Disrespectful or something It's like giving somebody the finger Or something to lower their head Their head is always Looking in your eye Or looking up higher That's what I got Out of Egypt Nothing Nothing I've ever seen Can touch that Even the Israelites They had God They had the most on their side but, you know, they slipped and they was up and down, up and down. And when I see pictures, you know, of course, these pictures are probably painted by Europeans or whatever. But I just never seen those statues of no people like those statues in Egypt. And they tell me that when I went to Demona, they asked me, why did you go to Egypt first? And so when I first went to Israel, I stopped by Egypt first. Actually, I flew into Israel. But I wouldn't go outside the airport. I didn't want to see Israel until I saw Egypt. I don't know if that's Brother Joseph on the line there. Not I see an Eric or 804 number, but it might be him, may not be. But uh, he don't know that. And all these things I'm hating on Africa. I flew into Israel, Tel Aviv Airport, and I did not go outside, even though I was past customs, because you got to go through customs again. Well, I, I, I exited. I didn't have to, but I exited. But I would not go outside because I wanted to be like our people. Our people came from Egypt. To Israel So I called myself I was going to fly to Egypt And take a bus ride And kind of look at the way That our people actually walked 
Because if you take a bus from Egypt to Israel, it's probably about an eight-hour drive, something like that, six-hour drive, something like that, you're going to see, you're going to possibly, that bus is going to possibly go the route of the Israelites. Some kind of way it's going to hit that route. We went through the Suez Canal. That was, a, that was an experience. It was at night, but it still was interesting to know that I was going through the Suez Canal. And so that was my thing. I, I didn't want to see each Israel first. I wanted to see Egypt first, and then I wanted to, because uh, I knew I couldn't walk to Israel like our foreparents, so I just wanted to take a bus ride and reminisce, and I did. Very spiritual, 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 powerful trip. Speaking of Egypt, I got stuck in Egypt when I told the people uh, at the Taba. Taba is the border between Egypt and Israel. When I told them who I was going to see, they did not like that. Told them I was going to Israel to see the people in Demona. They knew who they were, and the God denied me. So I was devastated. Here I am. And that's another thing. I'm going too fast. When I begin to walk, uh, I took a bus. Uh, like I told you, I took a bus from uh, Egypt over to the Taba border. And then from the Taba, I was going to take a little short little bus up to South Israel. This was at night. So I remember I met a guy. Y'all listen to me. This is powerful. You got to listen to me. This is going, you're going to like this. I met a guy. While I'm getting ready for my bus ride from Egypt, I've enjoyed Egypt, saw the pyramids, and on my way to Israel. And it's you not it's God come out of nowhere again. Here's somebody the most I put in my path. Watch this, watch this. He says to me, he's talking, talking, talking. He says, I say, I say, yeah, I'm about to go over to uh, Tampa, and then I'm going to take a uh, taxi from there to the bus station. Uh, a bus, whatever they they got from Tava to the bus station, and then from the bus station I go on to uh, South Israel, uh, Demona. And so he said, "Well, remember." He just said, "Well, okay, all right, just remember." Uh, when you get to the gate uh, there at the uh, the uh, what do they call that? A place where you uh, not the embassy, but uh, oh, I can't think the border there. He says, "Just show." Give the guy money. Don't forget to give the guy money. I didn't think nothing of that. I just said, you know, I already know what to do, sir. I already researched. Okay, I hear you, but nice thing. You don't have to help me. I know. I mean, I, I wasn't rude. I just said, thank you. Appreciate it. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, okay, I already did. I listen to my homework. I know what I'm doing. So everybody started watching this. It's like the Super Bowl was on. Y'all watch me. Go with me on this. This, this is deep. Again, this is how the most high <laughs> take care of me. And those of you on the phone lines, you probably got about 10 minutes before this, this line going to cut off. Or those of you on the phone lines, I mean, on the uh, Internet, you got to call at 760-283-0838 so you won't get cut off, okay? Very important. So watch what happens, folks. We're doing the best, and we're heading from Taba. From, uh, no, somewhere in Egypt wasn't Taba. It was from somewhere in Egypt, Cairo. Cairo, taking a bus from Cairo to Taba, that's, that's what was happening. And when I get to Taba, uh, it's going to be a border thing. I've got to go, and that's when he said, get a guy money. So anyway, on the bus ride, people started, you know, getting off at different places. The bus was full, probably, I seen like about 50 people on the bus. And as we were getting closer and closer to the border, people started getting fewer and fewer and fewer. And so after a while, it got to be like, 
oh, maybe 15 people. Got a little concerned, but nothing really, because it was dark, you know. And people was jumping off, and once in a while, he'd go two more. Then he got down to like 10 people. And I was getting a little more concerned because I didn't want to be anywhere by myself, you know. I just thought that whole bus was going down to Taba, to this, you know, to this border where we can get a taxi or I thought they was going to Israel, but no, these people was going home. They was on this bus from Cairo going to Taba. They was going home. They just lived right down the border. They just lived there. I'm thinking, okay, it's a border. I must be going to Israel. No, no. They live outside of Cairo, right on that border. Anyway, we got all the way to the border, and it was like two people, well, maybe about three stops before the border. It was like two people left on that bus, and I was nervous. And they, they, that bus pulled over, not at the place where I was going, but right before it, and these people got off. You know what that means? The guy said, you going to the border? He let me off. Listen, folks, there was nobody on that road. It was a dark road. And I could see all the way up. For as my eye could see two guys standing with big guns at this border, just like you look in the movies, just like you're thinking right now in your mind. There I was on this road. It had a little few lights on it, a little few street lights. And I'm walking, and there's water to my right, and there's this dark, I mean, it's dark. I mean, you can see a little bit, but way as far as I can see is two guys at this gigantic gate, just like in the movies, and they got these big guns. So I walk up to him, and I'm like, I need to go into here and, uh, you know, get my passport and everything stamped. Because what you do is you step over from, you see the Egyptian people, and they stamp your passport, and you walk right across the street, and then the Israeli people, and once they stamp your stuff, you can go catch a cab. So once you cross from one counter to the next counter, I know this sounds crazy, but you step from Egypt into Israel. So... (laughs) I was at that border trying to tell these guys what I wanted. They couldn't understand nothing. They was getting uh, very empty. You know, they was like, I was like, okay, I don't know what you're saying, but I started showing my passport, and they just started speaking this, this Egyptian language, and I didn't understand. They kept speaking even stronger. Then after a while, they kind of got a little upset with me because they couldn't get nowhere, and they had these guns. They, you know, they were talking to me one time, but they was – Holding their guns, kind of like, you know, basically, I guess they were saying, man, look, we can't let you in here, man. You cannot go in here without your proper down. I don't understand what you're saying. You don't understand us. You can't. And they just had this look. And I was like, man, this is this is scary. And I started fearing, panicking. I started praying. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't afford to turn back and go to Cairo. I was got I got to go to Israel, you know, right here at the border. You know, I'm about a two-hour bus ride from where I need to be. And so I was flipping out. And then I remember what that guy said. Don't forget when you get to the border, give him money. And I took out this money, and these guys have the biggest smile on their face. It cost, and I didn't know that. They weren't bribed. They weren't a bribe. It cost, and I didn't know it. I gave them money. They took which what they, much they need. They gave me the rest back. And they was just happy and walked me into the thing, and it was a piece of cake after that. That was scary, though. Remember, the Most High, uh, tonight we're talking about parts of my trip, how the Most High 
delivered me, helped me, inspired me. I learned a lot. He bailed me out all kinds. The people I've met, I met a lot of celebrities. I'll tell you about that a little later on. But uh, maybe I'll do next show on Thursday and talk about some of the celebrities I met. Anyway, so we get to the Israel Israel counter. I walked over there. I'm technically in Israel, but I got to get past this 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 little desk, this border, you know. So I'm talking to the Israel guy, and I tell him I'm going to see. Who are you going to see? Who are you going to see? And I say, Well, we're going to see Ben Ami in in Israel. Ben Ami, Kimona, and he, he just denied it. So I'm upset. I walk outside. I'm panicking. I'm like, Oh man. So. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I know been. I actually have been denied. Before. I was denied in Britain one time because I didn't have my passport. That was that was before they really required passports. But anyway, make long story short, I flipped out. Here I am, trying to go to Israel. I've just been denied. But the Most High is about to work another miracle. That's that I when it all said and done, I'm glad I was denied after that. After I finished telling y'all this. So, I'm there. Can you imagine what I'm thinking? I'm like, what do I do? And the guy says, you can't go, sir. You can't go. You you got to. So, I'm, I'm calling the people in the morning because, you know, they have power. And, and, uh, and they say, okay, we'll work something out. And, you know, and I tell them it's a hotel. So, it was a, it was a Hilton. I think it was a Hilton. And, they, and so, I went to the Hilton, told them what happened. The Hilton said, I said, well, can I just spend a night? And they said, well, sure. How much is the room? The room is like $300. $300? I said, man, look, I I don't, I have $300, but I wasn't about to pay no, I'm not about to get a no $300 for no one little night of sleep. I sleep out in the bench before I do that. I said, is there anywhere? And I'm going back and forth with the guy. So you got to manage it. Makes a long search. We end up getting to him like for $100. Just a special rate. Again, that was the most high right there. I forgot all about that. And I went up in his room, and this room was my, 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 my goodness. Y'all just don't know how nice this room was. I laid in that bed. That bed felt so great. Up. So I just went in and said, I'll check this out tomorrow. I called Demona, got the Minister of Information or Minister of uh, whatever you call it on on the case. Basically, they were looking to it. They called me back. I was in the middle of sleep, and they're going to say, Brother Seth, we got you clear. Go back to, to uh, the station. I said, I'm in the bed. Are you sure? They said, yes, you are clear, sir, to go right now. If you get up right now, you can go through, and they'll let you through. I'm saying, is there anywhere I can do it tomorrow? I'm so tired. I was dipped in deep sleep. And they said, okay, but we can't guarantee because they may switch people. And I said, well, I'll just take my chances. I just have sleep. <laughs> so I get up the next day. This is all God. I'm telling you, it's all the most high. Even me denying them and telling them I'll do it the next day, all this is the most high because watch about to happen. So I'm going back the next morning. Then ate the most beautiful breakfast, y'all. Just don't know. That hotel was the kill for Look up the Hilton on the Taba. It was the nicest thing I've ever seen. It was the Hilton at a Hyatt on Taba, Egypt. Look it up. It was it, it's the Mountains everywhere, water in front of you. That breakfast, I ain't seen no breakfast laid out like that. And I've been to Vegas where they really had a nice breakfast. They had everything on, on those plates. And I asked this girl, what's the name of that bottle of water, that body of water, that body of water right there? What is that water? What is that lake called? And when she said the Red Sea, I flipped out. I said, the Red Sea? She said, yeah. I said, the Red Sea? She said, yeah. 
Y'all should have saw me. I kept saying, are you serious? She said, yeah, yeah. You've never been here before. And I was like, wow. Y'all have to see how beautiful. You can Google all this. and You can see it's on Google Earth. You can pluck that and see the beauty. Man, that place was gorgeous. And they were saying that they feel like that is where the children of Israel walked over. Honest, that's what they said. It's right there at the connection between Egypt and Israel. They had to come over that water. I was blown away because I was asking questions about that. Folks, had I made it through that night, I wouldn't have saw any of that. So I got a chance to stay in this five-star restaurant or hotel for 100 bucks. I got to see the Red Sea. I got to eat one of the most best dinners I still ate, and that, that nice. Nothing can top that experience. That was a blessing from the Most High. Taba, Egypt experience. The next day, I got up, went to there. They let me through. Actually, I take it back. They went to kind of, they going hesitant again on me. It was like, well, let me check into it. Let's check. Let me check. And then this girl told me. You know, when he was checking on it, they did let me through. They did let me through, but they gave me a little bit of a hard time, just a little bit. They didn't say you can go right through. They were saying, let me check, and they had me hold it for a while. And when I was home, I was home for at least 10 minutes, and that's a long time because you don't know how to take all that. So the girl said to me, she said, well, you know why they looking at looking at this so hard? I said, why? It's a young girl, young white girl. Just share with me. She said, because y'all come to Demona and you don't leave. I say, what? She say, people come to Demona, people come to Demona, and they don't leave. I say, what do you mean? She said, they come and they visit like you're visiting, but they decide they never want to leave, and they stay there for years. So I got to Demona. I said, ask them, is that true? And they say, yeah. They feel like this is Israel, this is their home. They like what they see. Ain't no crime. Ain't no people dying and no diseases. And they love it here, and they don't go back. And the, the authorities hate that, but we feel like we have the power to define, and we feel like they can't do nothing about it. We're the Israelites. I learned that from the officer, female, young girl right there on the Israel side at Taba. Telling y'all, my travels is off the chain. The more the most I have done, the people I've met, you cannot top this. You cannot top these travels. I'm not saying that we're in competition, but I'm, I, I shouldn't say it like that because I don't mean you can't top it like you can't top it. I mean, all these people, these businessmen that travel here and travel there, I mean, if you don't have these kinds of experience, how will I knew that I needed to get denied? I mean, most of the time, if you're a businessman, you're going to have all this stuff set up and you're not going to be now. you probably miss some things. All I'm saying is for me, let's just keep talking about me and not other people. Let's keep other people out of it. It was a blessing, a blessing. The next morning I got to see uh, Elot, uh, they spell it E-I-L-A-T, but they pronounce it Elot. It is one of the nicest most beautiful places. They say it's one of the top scuba diving places in the world for scuba diving. It's right there on that border at the very tip of Israel, south. Look at that. That's south. Right there near Egypt. They, you got to just look up line. Again, go to Google or Yahoo and just Google. I let, let 
E-I-L-A-T, Israel. It is the cream de la cream of Israel as far as scuba diving, all that uh, uh, boating is nice, 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 nice. Nice as you're going to get in the world right there in Israel. I was able to see all of that. Had I just had it let me through, I wouldn't have had a Red Sea. I wouldn't have been in living in a nice hotel. I never would have saw a lot. So I'm just saying all these things happen for a reason. Then the next morning I was refreshed. I had all my clothes was clean. I mean, it was already clean, but I was able to iron everything. I needed that. I need to get bumped. I need not bumped, but I need to get refused. So, again, this happened in my travels, uh, world travels. Tonight we're talking about uh, how I've been inspired, uh, enlightenment, on my travels around the world, enlightenment. Okay, and I have not even told a fourth of this, so we're going to have to do a part two and possibly a part three because I still got to talk about Venezuela, still got to talk about Canada, still got to talk about the Dominicans, still got to talk about Puerto Rico, uh, not Puerto Rico, uh, still got to talk about England, still got to talk about uh, uh, Japan. I think that's some memories there. Japan is not one of my favorite places, but I've been there a lot. Uh, still got to talk about uh, Guam. Uh, still got to talk about Brazil. Still got to talk about uh, Thailand. Still got to talk about uh, Spain. Spain was a quick trip, though. So anyway, there's still a lot more to talk about. Not to mention all the places I've been in the United States. Again, this is this this is this show is to shine the light on things I've done um, outside of the United States, but inside of the United States, I've been able to do some some just powerful things, like I said, going to Obama's inauguration, a lot of other things. I know some of y'all like Obama, but it was nice to, to go to one, and I've been to inauguration before. So I'm just saying lots of experiences, the Oprah shows to, to, to kill for. I didn't know I was going to lose my brother, was able to uh, enjoy my brother we call Putt. Uh, we call Putt. He passed away, and he was there on the Oprah show, and uh even though that's not an international trip, it was nice to have Gail to, you know, before the Oprah show started, uh, to try to get people to warm up. And she got this very nice-looking lady and said, go find you somebody to dance with. We're going to open live and y'all up. And out of everybody at the Oprah show, Gail had this nice-looking woman to go find somebody to dance with. And believe it or not, she chose me out of all of me. But I felt very honored in a vain way. But then my brother was there, putt, and he knew my wife was going to be upset. So he grabbed Arlene, and he was like the second person. Now, actually, he wasn't the second, but after I got down there and uh, the music started, here come putt grabbing Arlene, grabbed her, and brought her down and danced with this gigantic soul train lying right there on the Oprah show to loosen up. That was something. That was local. That was not something I did outside the country. But that was something that was, and we got a videotape of uh, of the show, not of the Soul Train line, but we got a picture of the show of us actually sitting up at the top. You can see us. So that was, it's a lot of things like that. Just like I said, the most I visited me on my travel. Again, y'all think I'm just, but, you know, I didn't know that Putt was not going to be with us. I didn't know he was going to pass like he did. It was, uh, he wasn't sick. So it's other, it's other experience, Tulsa, ORU Bible study, powerful Bible study, young men that's running with this torch. I'm just kind of fi- finishing this up, letting y'all know it's going to be a part two and maybe a part three. 
But the domestic and proper has to include that because I had so many powerful experiences on my travels and just 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 in the States for sure. I mean so much y'all just don't know. So I just wanted to just share uh enlightening moments on my trips around the world. So we'll keep it around the world for now outside the States. But I definitely want to eventually probably on the last show talk about what's happening inside the States and let y'all know what happened in LA, you know. How, you know, the Israelites I met in LA, you know, had that had a uh, white gentleman. I ain't gonna talk about it now. It's just so much, so much the most I've done in the travels. One more thing I'll, I'll talk about, and then we'll wrap this show up, okay? Because we're over the time. Um, no, I think we're just gonna wrap that up because, like I said, we got a lot more to talk about, and uh, like I said, I may do a part three and, and include uh, uh, things that have happened to me. Uh, that had to do with the five smooth stone, the five topics I talk about. Folks, listen, Most High is real. He is real, and he has allowed me to not just travel all over the world, but to have these experiences. And uh, I just thank him. I give him all the glory and the honor and praise. I don't mean to put down nobody else's travel. I really don't, because I don't think I went to that many places. Some of y'all have been double, triple what I've done. But... um, I just am just so grateful to have seen the things I've seen, met the people I've seen. And guess what? I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. I've got, I've got some lot more people, lot more places to see. I plan on going before it's over with. I want to see Nepal. I want to see Lebanon. I want to see Afghanistan. I want to see Pakistan. I almost went to Belize not too long ago. Argentina, Peru. South Pole, yes, you heard me right, South Pole. North Pole, yes, you heard me right, Dubai, Switzerland, Germany, North Korea, sure do want to see North Korea, Philippines, Indonesia, Iraq, sure do want to see Iraq. What about it? Iran, Mexico, Kenya, all the countries in Africa, Liberia, for real, Zimbabwe, Morocco, uh, definitely want to see Libya. Where Qaddafi, I wish I could have went when he was living. I really found out late what he was all about. But uh, we'll talk about the Niagara Falls and all the other things, everything I've seen here later. Listen, you've been listening to another episode of Blog Talk Radio with your host, Five Smooth Stones. Man, this show again been enlightening on my travels. I've only tried to give the most high glory where it relates to my travels. This is all about nothing else. So, Hopefully, y'all enjoyed the show. Um, Next Thursday, look for us to cover um, this again, uh, unless something happens major in the news and I end up talking about the New World Order. But sometimes I need to give that stuff a break because, you know, we got to live, folks. We got family, and they just don't understand us talking about this all the time. You know, wife, my wife, she ain't dealing with this all the time. And some of y'all's wives, not even so. We got to learn how to do talk about other things. So on a lighter note, I may just go ahead and cover this. All right. So anyway, I'm gonna go ahead and end that with a song. I think is very fitting. Uh, so check this out, and I will hear from y'all on Thursday. All right. Let's see which song we're gonna play. Several here I can actually play. Ah, right, here's a good one. Good night. <laughs>
Every year, football fans pull up the Raising Cane's drive-thru, game day ready. Chicken, 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 which combo are you picking? Can I get a two-box extra sauce and toast? Hydrated, Idaho, Idaho, Cowgate to go. So that's two-box combos with extra cane sauce and Texas toast, crinkle-cut fries with two fresh-squeezed lemonades, and a 25-finger tailgate? You nailed it! Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. <laughs> Raising Cane's is your tailgate headquarters. Go Cowboys! Has this ever happened to you? You put some money in a savings account with a uh, great rate. But that promotional savings rate came crashing down. You deserve better. Take just five minutes and open a Capital One savings account online. You'll get one of the nation's best rates that's not a promotional rate. Welcome to Banking Reimagined. What's in your wallet? For consumers only, offered by Capital One NA member FDIC. Copyright 2017 Capital One.